0: Father, I just come before you as your son. Wanting to share the goodness and the beauty of Jesus in this place. Father, I pray that your Holy Spirit would fill this room, that you would soften hearts, make them tender, make them able to receive you and all your goodness and all your love and all your mercy and all your kindness, Father. I ask Jesus that you would use these lips today for your kingdom. Use them for your glory. Use them to draw people near to you. Holy Spirit, I ask for your power today. I don't have wise or eloquent words. But Father, I trust in your Holy Spirit. And I trust in your holy anointing that you can do all things. So I ask for freedom today, especially from the religious spirit. Father, I pray that you would cast off the enemy, Father, that you are the stronger man and we declare freedom, Father, would you break every bondage and every lie that the enemy has done to ruin our friendship and our relationship with you and has made it into duty and to obligation, Father, I ask that your Holy Spirit would come and shatter the works of the enemy today. May your kingdom come, may your will be done here on earth as it is in heaven. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. (laughs) <laughs> um, if you guys have your bibles if you could open them open them up to Luke 10 um we'll be looking at Luke 10:38 to the end of that passage You guys know that hymn, Turn Your Eyes Upon Jesus. I freaking love that hymn. It's so beautiful. It's like, it's so simple. And it's really all we need to do, you know? Turn your eyes upon Jesus. Look full in his wonderful face. And the things of Will grow strangely dim in the light of His glory and grace. Is everyone at Luke 10:38? <laughs> By the way, I'm pretty much doing whatever I want today. <laughs> Dennis isn't here, <laughs> you know. So guess what? Nick and I get to party. I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. God, keep me consecrated. Keep me consecrated. Keep me consecrated. <laughs> no, I'm just messing. Um, yes, okay. Luke 1038. Let's read. While they were traveling, he entered a village. and a w- okay, He's Jesus, by the way. And a woman named Martha welcomed him into her home. She, has, she had a sister named Mary who also sat at the Lord's feet and was listening to what he said. But Martha was distracted by her many tasks, and she came up and asked. The Lord answered her, to Martha, Martha, care that my sister has left me to serve alone, so tell her to give me a hand. The Lord answered her, to Martha, Martha, you're worried and upset about many things, but one thing is necessary. Mary has made the right choice, or for some of you guys, it's going to say she has selected the better portion, and it will not be taken from her. Amen. Amen. <sighs> Let me just first start off by saying, um, you know, I was, even even when Jolliver was actually praying, I know for him this is like just his heart cry. So like <laughs> this is like <laughs> his just this thing in general. This is like God's anointing upon his life. But you know, one of the one of the prayers that he prayed during um, the offering was, uh, or at the end of it, was he said, "Take us deeper. Take us deeper." And um, you know, I really feel like in this season. That the thing that God wants now, really from all of us, is depth. Depth with our walks with Jesus. Real depth. The kind of depth that isn't shaken and stirred by every wave of the wind, by every cunning deception or lie or false teaching or doctrine. But the, the, because you know what's crazy about doctrine? Like, the reality is the enemy can use doctrine. Isn't that twisted? That's twisted, right? The enemy can use doctrine. That's why the enemy spoke the word to Jesus, right? When he's being tempted in the desert, he's like, hey, here's the word. And then Jesus is like, dude, get behind me, Satan, you know, and he like, he knows the word so well, and he know, but he, more than the knowing just the word, he knows the God behind the word, and he knows who would ask him those kinds of things, and it wasn't God. It wasn't God the Father, and that's why he was able to resist, you know, the temptations and the lies of the enemy in the desert, right? And I feel like for us, one of the things that I feel like God has been doing is he is I believe he wants to take us deeper, and um, here's the thing about depth. Okay, this is just, whatever, take the meat from the bones, pick it however you want to choose it, okay? Or not however you want to choose it, however you feel like God is telling you to choose it. But, (laughs) you know, there's a certain depth, like, that you can only go alone with God. Like, God is a unique and individual and personal God, right? He speaks to every single one of us. We're his royal priesthood. He speaks to each of us as individuals. And the reality is there's, there's a depth and a calling that every single one of us has that only we can follow. It's not, not going to be with your brothers and your sisters, the people next to you. There's, there's going to be some aspects of your walk with God that it's just got to be you and him. Just like Peter walking on the water, right? Only Peter stepped out of the boat. Only Peter saw Jesus on the water. Only Peter said, Lord, if it is you, command me. And so, G- and so Peter's the one that gets to meet Jesus on the water. And, or John, right? John, like when Peter's like getting <laughs> essentially the, the, good, quote, the, the good semi-bad news that he's going to die for Jesus, he's going to be martyred. He says, well, God, Jesus, well, what about that guy? And he points at John. But he says, hey. Don't worry about John. I have other plans for John. I have something separate for John because the reality is there was something that God had planned and ordained for him as an individual. And I realized that for every single one of us, there is, there is, there, there will come a time in your walk with God where your brothers and your sisters and the people on the left and to the right, they're not always gonna understand. They're not always gonna get it. And you have to, you have to be able to say, if this is where Jesus is, that's where I'm going to go. This, if this is where Jesus is, that's where I'm going to go. And I feel like for us, this is the season. And I believe that this is the season where the secret place is going to matter much more than any other place that we walk through. The secret place is going to be the most important thing for all of us. Because here's the reality. We can't pull, like, no matter how anointed and great Pastor Dennis is or any of the staff or any of the leaders are, they cannot pull you to the depths of Christ. That's a place where only you and Jesus can go together. No one else can pull you there. Look, <laughs> I want it too, man. <laughs> you know, I want, I want to go to the deep places with God. But I understand that it's not always going to be with the brothers and sisters to the right and to the left. And here's the thing. But The, uh, the irony of this is that unique call. Is exactly where God brings us to unity, genuine unity. You know why? Because, okay, A.W. Tozer put it like this, and, and if you guys have read The Pursuit of God, this is a quote from that, okay? But he puts it like this. He's like, most churches, most ministries do this. They get a piano, and they try to tune their piano to the finest-sounding piano right? The the, the t- piano that sounds most tuned. And they'll get a piano and they'll tune it to that one. And then they'll get another piano and tune it to that piano. And they'll tune it and, tune it and tune it and tune it and tune it and tune it. By the time you get to the end, you have one piano that's totally off key. And then there's just one piano that sounds right. And that's what most churches do. We tune you to a to a culture. We tune you to, to a BTM, like, Whatever it is, I don't even know what it is, to be honest. Like, whatever it is that we do, pray a lot, stuff like that, we tune you into this culture. And the moment you come out of that culture, you're no longer in tune. You don't know how to play keys. You don't know how to play the right chords. But A.W. Tozer says this, unity, real unity comes like this. When there is one tuning fork, and it comes, and it touches every single piano, and it tunes it to the same key. When we're all tuned to what Jesus has for us, then we'll all walk in closer unity. We'll all walk with conviction. We'll all walk, honestly, the closest things that I've ever had with brothers and sisters in my walk with God. Honestly, was probably, other than staff and stuff now, it was my last prayer team. Because every single one of us, even though we felt like we had a unique calling, God was calling us. You know, my my friend Rebecca, she felt like super called to missions. Um, Kevin had a similar thing, but it wasn't quite the same, you know. Howard at the time, I think he was thinking about lady worship. I don't even remember what it was. There was just a bunch of different people, different callings, different sense. But every time we gathered together, there was a sense, we're here for Jesus. And that brought us all closer. You guys ever looked at like a, like a you know, in math? You guys look at like a focal point and then you see all the lines going to it, right? Actually, this is an analogy that um, Will, Pastor Will you guys know him uh, used to describe marriage and he says it like this both of you guys are going for this focus this focal point of Jesus Christ right and it's like this each of you guys have your own walk and as you chase after him chasing after him will be the thing that brings you closer it's going closer and closer and closer like that just forming until you meet right at him I think the reality is that's the truth for the church the church as we go deeper and follow harder after God in our own individual walk, we will have a greater sense of unity amongst us because we will all be about one thing and one thing only, the glory of Jesus. That all to say, the reason I feel like this word is coming, or coming along, is because I felt like God was saying to me, we all Need to focus on the one thing. On the one thing. You know, let me just get into the word, okay? So, it says, while they were traveling, he entered a village and a woman named Martha. Martha welcomes, she sees Jesus coming alongside from a distance. And then she says, she says, she sees him and she's like, "Oh, I'm gonna, go, I'm gonna welcome her, welcome him into my home. I've heard about this Jesus. I heard he does awesome things. He seems really cool. He seems really great. So I want to invite." The story is that, is that, right? And it's like the most interesting thing to me about this story is that, is that Martha, you know, she she must be pretty bold. She must have taken a step of faith by inviting him into her home, right? It's not like anything else. It's not like just a normal day. It's just like, it's just like I see Jesus from the distance. And so I'm going to come, and I'm going to ask him, please, come into my home. Come be with me. And then Jesus says, okay, I'm going to come into your home today. And then right after that, <laughs> it's, it's like, what? <laughs> it's like right after that, Martha, it says like, so when she welcomes her, her sister, Martha's sister, Mary, is like, oh, Jesus is here. So, so so Mary decides, like, all right, I'm going to go, and I'm going to sit at the feet of Jesus, and I'm going to listen to him, right? But Martha, it says, Martha was distracted by her many tasks, and she came up and asked, Lord, don't you care that my sister has left me to serve alone? So tell her to give me a hand. Look, I don't know about you guys. When you guys invite your homies to your house, <laughs> like, <laughs> or anyone, right? (laughs) Isn't it? Like, you want to serve them, but at the same time, like, the main thing is you want to be with them, right? Right? Isn't that what you would normally do? But for whatever reason, Martha, she seems distracted, right? She seems fixed on other things. And to be honest, when I look at her, I don't feel like she's in the wrong place. I don't feel like her heart is, like, twisted or, like, jacked up or, like, she's trying to be evil, right? It's just really simply, like, I'm going to serve. I'm going to serve. But this this little thing, this one thing, becomes a distraction. And, you know, I kind of wonder sometimes here at BTM. <laughs> oh, I need grace. Look, prayer team, you guys need to start praying. You need to start praying. All right. You need to start praying right now. I need the freaking holy anointing right now, okay? Um, but when... She decides. She's like, when you guys come into B.T.M. We have such a strong culture, such a strong tradition, such a strong sense of what to do, don't we? Everyone that comes into BTM, it doesn't, you know, you don't have to be here too long to figure out what we're about. Revival! Campus! Revival! Trump be saved! You know, there's a lot of things that's pretty clearly BTM-esque. You have BTM DNA if you've been coming here for long enough. There's some things that we naturally and what we'll do. And it's just because, honestly, the tradition here is so strong. When you step in through those doors, it is easy to just go into a mode of tradition, a mode of culture, a mode of this is what I always do. And Martha did the very same thing. I'm always serving. I'm always cleaning. I'm always doing things at home. But she was distracted from the one thing, her visitation from Jesus. She fixed her eyes on what to do instead of who to do it for, right? I look at us as a ministry. And, you know, I I feel like Nick has been saying this also because I don't want any of you guys to ever burn out while serving God. There should be no such thing as burnout and serving God. All right? We should be burning to serve God. Right? That's how we should be. Right? We should be like, I don't feel like Jesus ever went through burnout. Do you? <laughs> like, I don't feel like Apostle Paul went through burnout. He's just like, dude, I've been dis- I'm distressed. I've been persecuted. I've been freaking slandered. I've received lashes. I got my shipwrecked. Still burning. You know? Still burning. That's because I think burnout comes from looking at the wrong place. When you look, you know, the thing is, we're like this. We have we have the heart of a servant. <laughs> you and I have the heart of a servant, right? Like, to be honest, have you, how many of you guys have actually just tried sitting still, like, for a season? It is freaking terrifying. It is terrifying. Like, honestly, actually, before coming to BTM, I was coming coming out of a crap season all right so <laughs> you oh you, you want to talk about the wilderness all right, before sinai all right you want to talk about the desert you know you like oh you like my soul and body thirst for you the living god i was like god just kill me in the desert all right like just let me go like it, 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 was, it was a wild time all right it was it was not the best season i've ever been in why did i even start talking about the desert Oh, frick, my mind is just, like, all over the place. I'm so sorry. (laughs) Okay. Anyway, burnout. Yes, yes. I came into a place of burnout. And to be honest, I realized it's because there had been a sense of all my identity. All that I am was found in this place of serving when i had when you're in the desert you have no one no one to serve you know you have nowhere to serve you're in the desert right i'm like i'm not serving in any ministries you know like i'm quitting my job like i was just like i'm in the freaking desert yo you know i'm like i'm like can i bless somebody let me bless somebody right and i was like no nope, can't because i'm not even blessed myself right now i'm in the desert all right? i got nothing to give i i need to find some bread because i ain't got bread to give right now all right looking for bread myself all right it's just the reality of what it was like but uh <laughs> but you go through the desert and that's the thing in every desert season there is bread that's the promise of the bible that's the promise of the word god will never you know god doesn't kill you in the desert but um, okay actually no let me okay yeah okay sometimes all right look i don't want to go into that with all the exodus cheese and how like the rebellion led to like them dying, okay, and them being killed. But let me, just, let, me just, let me just keep it focused, all right? The point is God provides in the desert. God will give you enough in the desert. God will give you the bread in the desert. God will give you everything you need in the desert. Like, he, you know, if you need manna, he'll give you manna. If you need quail and you need meat because you're greedy, He'll give you the, you know, he'll give you the meat. If you're freaking dying of thirst out there, he'll give you the living water. He'll do everything that you need. But when I came out of the desert season, I realized... It's because all of this, all of, I had, from my original heart of service, I had separated from the one thing that really matters. The one thing that really matters is just sitting at the feet of Jesus. Sitting at the feet of Jesus. What is your ministry? What is your ministry? Some of you guys are like, I serve in. You know, campus ministries, KCM, KCCC, Epic, I don't know, Crew, whatever, NABs. Um, you know, you serve in your, your ministry. Some of you guys serve, serve in Epic. Some of you guys serve in NOW. Some of you serve in all of these different areas. But there's only one real ministry at the end of the day. There's only one real ministry, and it's ministry unto Jesus. It's ministry unto Jesus. See, when you look at the story of Mary and Martha, you have Mary or, or you have Martha who's distracted by so many things. And um, she's, it's not that those things are bad. Remember that. It's not that those things are bad. It's that they took first place. That's really what it is. They took first place. They took the place that they nudged. Because let me say this. When there's a visitation from God, all your tradition, all your culture, all your whatever it may be, it should go out the freaking window and you should drop whatever it is for that moment to be with Jesus. And you know what? The reality is, I bet you so many of you guys have had that moment, that visitation. <laughs> and you're just like, and let me confess, that's been me. All right, <laughs> let me confess. There's been so many times, all right, like that visitation from God. And you know, because He's tugging upon your heart. Some of you guys <laughs> have been to so many retreats, and so many, you know, so many things, and then you feel the tug of God, but you're like, I'm just gonna let Him pass me by again. I'm just gonna let Him pass me by. You feel God speaking to you and saying. Look, today is the day that I set you free. Today is the day that you come to me. Today is the day that you receive eternal life. And then you're just like, I'm just going to let him pass me by again. You know what's crazy? <laughs> I was thinking about that. I was like, why do we do that? <laughs> why do we ever let Jesus pass us by? And it's because it's honestly always from like either a wrong understanding or a wrong image of God. Why would you call me to do this? Because I want to bless you, because I want to do something awesome and something amazing and you could have so much more than what you're going to do right now. Let me just confess this. Like honestly, there's so many times when I've like come to, like I'm overseer for UCI House Church and once in a while I'll come to like I don't even know, man. To be honest, <laughs> I'm just there. But whatever, like I come and then like they'll be like I'll be walking across the campus, and I'll, and I'll feel that tug in the heart. You know what I'm saying? That tug in the heart. That's I know it's Jesus because no one else tugs my heart this way, and nobody else tells me I should do this kind of stuff except Jesus. But he's, you know, he's just like, hey, why don't you speak to that guy? I'm like, well, God, <laughs> that's because that would be uncomfortable. <laughs> that would be awkward, God, you know? And he's just like, but it could be awesome and I'm like it's true (laughs) it's happened so many times in the past so many times you know where I just took one step of faith and God did the impossible right and um I'm like that's why honestly I just realized the secret is like I know people say don't like just go with your feelings but when it comes to the impulses of God just go with your feelings man (laughs) okay that sounds like really bad advice Let's take that off the recording take that off the recording all right like that we can cut that snip that part out but (laughs) let me just put it now you know we're at a charismatic church oh lord but uh, let me just put it this way when you hear the voice of god speak right you obey you just obey because when you obey there is blessing that's a promise that's the promise of deuteronomy right if you obey my commandments i will bless you i will bless you even if it's not like the way that you expect it to look there will be a blessing my first time I evangelized, I looked like a freaking idiot. Absolute idiot. I just felt in my heart. God's like, Jason, I want you to go share the gospel with that girl. Starbucks. Like, I'm like, I don't know how how many weeks it's been since I've been saved, but I'm like, the gospel with, what, God? In the public? With everyone here? Yeah. Share the gospel with that girl. And I'm just like, okay. <laughs> you know? And then you go up. I stand up, and I'm all nervous. I'm all tense. I'm like freaking sweating, dude. I'm just like, and like, Like, people probably looked at me I thought I was, like, messed up. Probably thought I was on something. Because I was, like, literally just sitting at my table, not reading, not doing anything. But just, like, literally talking with God in my head, you know? So I'm just like, God, I really don't want to do this. I'm really nervous, man. Just do it, Jason. Just do it. (laughs) Okay. And then, yeah, I go up mind you nobody has ever shown me how to share the gospel nobody has ever done it in front of me so i have no idea what a gospel presentation looks like i have no idea what it means to even share jesus and to be honest at that time i had never even shared my testimony so i had zero zilch all right nothing nada okay so i go to this girl excuse me she's like yeah and i'm just like has anyone ever told you the gospel of Jesus Christ? <laughs> um, actually, I'm Christian. God bless you. <laughs> <laughs> this is my first evangelism attempt. Okay. By the grace of God, it's gotten a lot better than that. But <laughs> I confess this to say this. Even though outwardly, nothing looked great. Outwardly, honestly, I probably looked like an absolutely absolute idiot, inwardly I felt the pleasure of God. Inwardly, I felt him say, well done, good and faithful servant. You answered when I called. (sighs) My gosh, I have so many notes and so many things to say and so many words, but I'm just like, holy crap. Okay. Okay. So Martha, 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 the one who outwardly looks like everything, and then Mary. You know, I kind of, I, I took a moment to kind of just study Mary a little bit, because Mary is, in one sense, remarkable. She is remarkable. I don't, I don't honestly, I don't, I don't understand a lot, of it, a lot of it, but Mary, when she hears that Jesus, she sees Jesus coming to the home, she goes to him, and she sits at his feet and listens to him. You know, I think a lot of times we don't consider something like that ministry. You don't think, oh, that's serving God. How's that not serving God when all God wants you to do is listen? So many of us, we want to do so many things for God, but we don't want to sit at his feet and listen to what he has to say. The reason I put this in this, I find this remarkable in this context is because so many people looked at Mary and said, she doesn't serve, right? Probably. If you weren't you know, she's a, probably lazy, something along those lines. But all she's doing is sitting at the feet of Jesus and listening intently to his words. When, when Mary listens to Jesus, she's doing the most important ministry, the most important thing. Because how many of you guys know that you cannot serve Jesus without knowing his voice? All real ministry comes from this singular thing. All real ministry comes from one thing, and that is listening to his voice and obeying his commands, right? Not, not what we command you, not what Dennis commands you, not what all, okay, as church authority, it's important. But the main ministry is always Jesus. If Jesus, if you're not listening to the voice of Jesus, then my question is, who are you really serving if you're not sitting at the feet of Jesus and abiding in him and just saying, God, what is it that you desire? My question is, who are you really serving, right? Because then you're serving something and you're serving someone, but it's a voice that you don't know. And it's a voice that's probably foreign, right? Which means it's probably not his or it's, not your, or it's yours or something else, right? It's the, when you listen to the voice of Jesus, you get... Oh, A, hey, you get to listen to Jesus, which is in itself amazing. Amazing. All right. Amazing. So amazing. So amazing. Okay, I need to go on this rant. Okay, look. So amazing. So amazing that God speaks to us. So amazing. Think about that. God speaking to you and I. God gives you his voice. God gives you his, his word. And he speaks to you so you can hear him. You can know him. You can understand him. You get to experience him. That's god (laughs) like god you know like he's he's god and to be like you know so many people don't believe in jesus because they say i don't see signs and wonders i don't see miracles i don't see x y and z god gave you his word god spoke to you you don't need anything more than that because when god spoke light came out of darkness When God spoke, Lazarus came out of the grave. When God spoke, the dead rise. When God speaks, the lame can walk. So when God speaks, it is enough. It is always enough. The word of God is more than sufficient. It's sufficient. All right. One thing, one thing is necessary. One thing, understanding and hearing and knowing the voice of the Lord. Okay. Um, The thing is this. When God speaks, you got to understand, when we're coming to the word, when we're coming to him, when we're coming to the Bible, when we're, when we're listening to his voice, you know what he's doing? He's sharing his heart. Why? What does the Bible say about speaking? What is speaking, actually? What, is, what does Jesus say about speaking? He says this, out of the overflow, out of the abundance of your heart, you speak. So when Jesus is speaking through his word, when Jesus is speaking to you, the voice in your heart and in your head, he's sharing with you his heart. You want to get to know God's heart. You want to be a person that seeks after God's own heart. How is that done? It's by dwelling upon his words. You know what, like, blew my mind? I looked at the life of David, because he's, you know, David's amazing, right? He's the man known in the Bible, despite his many screw-ups, as being the man after God's own heart. what does he do? He's another one-thing person, right? He's the Psalm 27, one thing, right? One thing I ask of you, O Lord, and this thing I do seek after, that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life, that I may gaze upon the beauty of the Lord and inquire of him in his holy temple, right? That's David's one thing. I want to dwell in your presence. I want to look upon you and I want to speak with you. I want to ask of you. So it makes sense to me that David is also the one that wrote Psalm 139. Your, your thoughts, I could count, the, if I counted them, they would like, be like the, the, the sand on the ocean so many, endless, how precious they are to me, right? David looked at the words of God, and he meditated upon them. he rested upon them. he loved them, because he loved his father's heart, because he loved the heart of Jesus, and that's why David, did you guys ever think about like how David is the dude that built the temple, but nobody ever told him to build the the temple, right? Isn't that crazy? Like, (laughs) David's just being with God, and then he hears the word of God. Well, he doesn't. Hear, he doesn't even explicitly say that he hears the word of God. But he looks upon the tabernacle. He looks upon the tent, and then he looks upon and he looks upon his palace that he's dwelling in. And, he, and then there's a bur- suddenly a burden in his heart. He sees all the ministry happening in that tent, and he looks and he sees. It's like he's like God. Why is it that you, though you are my God, you're dwelling in a tent? Right? That's his heart. And he sees himself in his whole, in, in, in like a rich, ball palace. And he's like, that's not right. That's not right. And so it's in his heart to build a temple for God. But you know what blows my mind about this? Is that God had it in his heart to have a temple. Even before God ever spoke to David and let him know, I want a temple. I'm going to build a temple. I'm going to build a temple with my own hands. David, because he was so aligned with God's heart. Because he so desired to know God. Because he so desired to minister to him and see him be glorified. He, put, he naturally just came intertwined with the heart of God. And he recognized God wants a holy temple. And then he sets his, own, his entire ministry at that point is just preparing for building this temple. If you are after God's own heart, you will care about his temple. Mary made the decision to listen to the voice of God. Mary said, above all other things, I will be with you and I will listen to you. And this blew my mind. Je- you guys know that Mary's also the one that anoints Jesus' feet, right? That anoints Jesus at Bethany. That's Mary. You know, Mary has, like, very little action in the Bible. <laughs> it's kind of weird. She has, like, re- maybe, like, three or four real appearances in one sense, right? She's not like Peter, who gets, like, you know, practically got his own show going on over there, you know? <laughs> she's not like Paul. He's not like all. She's not like all of these other people. But Mary is there. And um, Mary, despite having very little action, she has very, deep and subtle things mary was the person that sat at the, at the feet of jesus and listened to his voice mary's also the person that anoints jesus at bethany And if you think about that anointing i always thought it was weird you know because i've always heard it in the sense of like it's because you know Mer- mary like loved him so much that she's pouring out all her, her affections for him and i think that's so true I think that's so true. I believe that that expression, that, that alabaster jar was the expression of Jesus' love for, or I'm sorry, Mary's love for Jesus. But you know what? I think that's also a result of her being somebody that listens to Jesus. If you guys look at John 12, and this is where Jesus anoints, I'm sorry, Mary anoints Jesus. Um, when everyone's knocking on Mary for this, for this single thing, (laughs) like, you know, all the disciples are around and they're watching this thing happen before their eyes. All the disciples, they say, they're like, what are you doing? You could have given that to the poor, you know, because that was actually one of the common ministries, right? That's why Judas, he was actually, that's why Judas, you know, when they also get, you know, do what you need to do, they thought Judas was getting money from the money back to give it to the poor because that was part of their ministry. It's normal, but But Jesus responds to them and he says this, leave her alone, she has kept it for the day of my burial, for you will always have the poor with you, but you you will not always have me. Mary, Mary, because she sat at the feet of Jesus, knew that Jesus was going to die. Think about this. She is the only one that anoints Jesus for a burial. She's the only one. Why is this important? give me the grace. Because Mary was somebody that first and foremost predominantly set before her the words of Jesus, the life of Jesus, the love of Jesus, just said Jesus and obedience to Him. Because she set that first and foremost over everything else. She is also the only one amongst the apostles who recognized that Jesus would actually die and rise. Think about it. Jesus takes all the apostles, takes the apostles up to the mount and then, and then transfigures before them. He transfigures. It says that he became white, dazzling white, blinding white. He transfigures before them. And then the the apostles are like, "Oh, snaps, we're up here. We better stay up here. This is lit." You know, and Jesus is like, "No, we got to go back down the mountain, right?" But right after he does that, what does he say? He's like, that's exactly when he tells them, "I have to tell you this. I'm going to die and I'm going to rise again on the third day." But none of them were able to hear it. None of them were able to hear it. And yet, Mary, for whatever reason, Mary, the one who sits at Jesus' feet, Mary, the one who listens to Jesus' words, actually has the perception, the the heart to, to hear and to hear Jesus Jesus' words when he says, I'm gonna die. I'm gonna die and I'm gonna rise again, right? Here's the thing, here's what I realized. All the apostles and everyone that was running with Jesus during this time up until this point. They had a vision of Jesus, but they had a vision of Jesus of not the one that he was presenting. They had an Isaiah 63 conquering king vision of Jesus. But Mary, because she sat at the feet of Jesus, listened to Jesus, heard his words and valued them, she had an Isaiah 53 understanding of Jesus, a suffering servant understanding of Jesus, because only she was able to perceive and to discern that Jesus was going to die and rise again. Only her. And think about that. And it says right here, that leave her alone. She has kept this alabaster jar for the day of her burial. You know what's crazy? The reason I think about this is because Mary was a true minister unto the Lord. Can you imagine being Mary, following around Jesus, looking around following all the disciples. All disciples are doing crazy things, casting out demons, preaching the gospel, doing X, Y, and doing doing all these amazing things, feeding the poor, breaking bread, all of these things. And and Mary, Mary by herself, Mary in the secret, Jesus, has kept this alabaster jar because she's looking at Jesus. She's looking at Jesus and saying, nobody's getting it. Nobody's getting it. Nobody's getting what Jesus is actually going to do. Nobody's getting it. Nobody's going to bless him. Nobody's going to prepare him for his burial. Nobody is going to do it for him. And so she walks around by herself with an alabaster jar hidden in her own heart, hidden by herself when no one else recognizes because she sees her suffering servants, she sees her Messiah that's going to die and give his life for her. And she says, I need to minister to him. I need to do it because no one else will because no one else is listening to the heart of God. Mary breaks that, and it prepares, her for, prepares him for the burial. And I looked into that, and I looked at the heart of Jesus. Can you imagine being Jesus at that time? You've been rolling around with your crew for three years. You guys have done all kinds of wild, amazing things. You guys have done so many things together. You guys have ministered. You guys have seen people get set free. You've seen, you know, demons come out. They freaking watched Lazarus come out of the grave. They did all of these amazing things. And all those guys that ran with you at your moment of deepest and darkest despair, at your moment of the hardest and most broken time that you have, at the moment when you recognize this is it for me, nobody knows nobody recognizes nobody sees but then there's one one person who hears one person who sees one person who understood the heart of jesus and ministered to him in his lonely place i've been thinking a lot about ministry and what we call ministry Ministry, when we're serving, is when you hear his voice. And when you hear his voice, you hear his heart. I used to be like, God, why <laughs> why tell me to go pray for that guy or for his healing or anything else? And that's when he would say to me, because I love them. Because I died for them. Because I paid for them and they don't know that. They don't know how much I love them. That's why. That's why you do it. Our ministry is not primarily a ministry unto people. Your ministry is unto the heart of God. Every single thing that you do is unto the heart of God. Loving the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your might, with all your soul, with all your strength, and loving one another is one commandment. Why? Because that second commandment is the heart of God. He wants to be loved, but he loves everyone. That's why it's one command. What is the greatest command? What is the greatest command? That's, what, that's the question that was asked. It was not what are the greatest commands. What is the greatest command? It is this. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. And love one another. One command. There, it's one.